Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Save up to $450 on a Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe, up to $900 on a Gibson Les Paul Trad Pro 4, or save up to 20% on other select Gibson guitars. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in-store, now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. On today's show, we'll recap the Hornets game against Oklahoma City Thunder, and you'll find out, did Russell Westbrook get another triple-double? And the Hornets and Pistons duel in Detroit tonight. Is Steve Clifford taking after his buddy Stan Van Gundy a little too much? We're talking more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do in an entire day. You are locked on, Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it here on this Thursday morning. Today's episode is brought to you by SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy tickets to the sports that you want to see. Download the free SeatGeek app and use our promo code LOHORNETS for $20 off your first purchase. I'm Doug Branson, David Walker still on vacation. Joining me this morning is our ESPN insider. He's covering the Hornets for ESPN Charlotte, Justin Thomas. Justin, welcome in, my friend. This is your I think this is your first time uh, uh, guesting, uh, guest hosting on the morning show. Yes, this is. Um, I've always heard great things about the morning show. And <laughs> thankfully, David is on vacation for me to make my debut, so I'm happy to join. All right. Well, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. My My morning got started in the right direction, Justin, uh, with a little perspective from my friend Peter, who used to be a host on this show back when we covered the Charlotte Bobcats, when this was called Podcats. Those were different times. Uh, Peter uh, texted me a, you know how Facebook does these memories where they'll they'll dig up old posts. They digged up one of Peter's posts, and it reads as such, this was from January 5th, 2011, the Bobcats just won an overtime game with Eduardo Nahara and Kwame Brown on the floor. Paul Silas for president, please and thank you. (laughs) Oh, that's a while ago. Yeah. Well, just it it puts things in perspective as, you know, we're going to recap this game where the Charlotte Hornets put up 123 in regulation against Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just remember, never forget where this thing came from all the way back. This was pre-Kemba. I dug this game up. It was the Bobcats taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves in Minnesota. Overtime game, 108-105, the final score for the Bobcats. Boris Diaw put up 16. DJ Augustine dropped 16. And uh, it was actually Tyrus Thomas off the bench, oh, scoring 21 man. on 10 of 18 shooting uh, to, to lead the Bobcats. And uh, Boris Diaw attempted 10 three-pointers. Only made two. But he attempted <laughs> 10 three-pointers in this game. At least he was aggressive, right? That's, you, At least? 
Hey, be aggressive, be aggressive. Okay, let's get into let's get into. Okay, we talked about the dark times. Now let's talk about uh, some of the good times that are happening. And uh, we'll start in Charlotte, where Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder made their only trip to Spectrum Center this season. The Hornets entered this game with an 11 game losing streak to Oklahoma City, looking to snap it. They got off to a good start, thanks in part to Frank Kaminsky, who finished the half with 17 points on six of eight shooting. They go into the locker room up 60 to 55 at the break. Hornets open the second half on a seven to two run, but after a phantom foul on MKG, one of the worst calls I've ever seen, who was trailing Russell Westbrook, awful. The Thunder go on a 19 to four run after that to retake the lead late in the third quarter. Hornets in trouble to the fourth quarter where Nick Batum said, hey, Kimba, take a night off. We're going to need you in Detroit. I got this. He goes four of eight from the field, five made free throws in the fourth for 14 points, 28 overall for Batum. Kimba adds 20 points and nine assists. Kimba turning into the, the distributor in this game. Hornets hold on to the lead and get the win, 123 to 112. Russell Westbrook misses the triple-double by two assists. Charlotte remains one of the few teams Westbrook has not notched a triple-double against. Stopping Westbrook was key, but this win really boiled down to one thing for head coach Steve Clifford after the game. The biggest thing for me is the fourth-quarter defense. You know, it's it's been more than a problem, um, and they're obviously really good offensively. Um, so 24 is the number that you're going to win with. You know, when you when you can score, it gives you a chance to dig in like that uh, against a really strong physical team with obviously the guy who's, you know, right now the MVP of the league. It's a good win. Good win, says Steve Clifford. Hornets hold the Thunder to 30% in the fourth quarter. What was different in this fourth quarter in your mind from previous games, Justin? To me, um, somebody told me this the other day and said it was a hot take, which I, I don't really agree with that hot of a take. But I think this was easily, in my eyes, the Hornets' most impressive win on the season. Going into this game, you had Clifford call the team out for being soft and not tough. They pick and choose when the play. In Oklahoma City, if they're nothing, they're tough. Their physical Clifford just used both of those words in this postgame presser. And I believe it was about six minutes and 37 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And Charlotte was trailing by two. And I remember MKG getting a long rebound, which led to a Nick Batum bucket, I believe. And after that part, they were tough in the fourth quarter. Because there are a lot of games where you watch the Hornets and it gets late to the fourth quarter, and you say, this can either go this way or this can go that way. And sometimes they win those games, sometimes they lose them, and sometimes, you know, teams choke up and actually give them a win. But they didn't leave this game to chance. They won this game. The 50-50 plays, the hustle balls, all of that, they were able to get. And, and it was tough for me because watching the game, Stephen Adams and Enos Cancer, there was no answer for them. There was no, whenever they tried, Spencer tried as hard as Frank tried. Roy did nothing, but, you know, Clifford agreed otherwise. And when it mattered, they were tough, and that was a very good win. Without Cody and having to play Spencer Haas 25 minutes, usually when you have to play Haas 25 minutes, it could get ugly. But he was great. Kaminsky showed up and said, hey, guys, you can calm down. I'm still a decent basketball player. And they were able to plot a good win. Justin, I was going to disagree with that hot take and say, I don't know if that was the most impressive win. But as I look at the schedule and the wins and losses, we've talked often about how the Hornets have dropped 
uh, what, six games now to the top three teams in the Eastern Conference as they sit in fourth place. They've got two wins over Atlanta, but both of those wins came before Atlanta really started to figure things out over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, I mean, this is probably just on paper one of the best teams that the Hornets have been able to beat this season, and they did it because they were very physical in the fourth quarter. And I thought MKG did a great job on Westbrook the entire game. Westbrook's going to get his numbers. It's just like, you know, any superstar, you know, Kobe in his prime. How do you stop Kobe in his prime? It wasn't about keeping him from getting 30 or 40 points. It was about making him take 30 or 40 shots to get those points. And MKG certainly did that. Uh, The Hornets had some problems in uh, keeping them out of transition. I believe they had 30 transition points. That's that was an issue in this game. And and I thought the defense, you know, through quarters one through three, really struggled to stop the Thunder. But in the fourth quarter, when it mattered, Spencer Hall. I thought I thought it started down low. Spencer Hall's Roy Hibbert getting physical with Cantor and Adams, matching their physicality, matching their intensity, uh, really made a difference. So. Justin, real quick, we're we're entering January, okay, and uh, games are starting to matter, and college basketball is heating up, and so, you know, I know you 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 want to get to the game, you want to see these games in person. Well, SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, or the upper level. It's easier than ever with this free SeatGeek app. I have it on my phone. It's the only one I use because it tells me where the underpriced seats are. The deals, they call out to you. They say, buy me, buy me. Best of all, our hardcore Hornets fans get a $20 rebate off their first purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS, that's L-O-Hornets. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. Get your tickets easy and for the best price. Okay, let's get back to this game. Um, lots to lots to like in that fourth quarter, but it was an entertaining game overall. Uh, weird start for Russell Westbrook. He had the the sort of kind of injury where he where he hit the deck and then Roy Hibbert fell on his legs. He kind of got up limping, but he stayed you know stayed in the game. Had to go back to the locker room when he came out of the game, but was able uh, to get back out on the floor. When he did get back out on the floor, Justin. Uh, during a, a dead ball, he throws the basketball too hard back at the ref who wasn't looking. The ref gets hit in the head, and and then another ref comes in and calls a quick tech on Russell Westbrook. It was obviously accidental, but was the technical foul deserved in your mind? Everyone, I mean, videos everywhere of this. Uh, everyone talking about this. What do you think, Justin? Uh, you know what's odd about this? Guys can can look at a ref say a few words to a ref, and get ejected. Russell, on accident, threw the ball and it beamed. Beamed. Yes, it, it was. It, there, was there was some right serious the contact there. I mean, he smashed him. And I, I definitely, I feel like everybody can agree that was not intentional. But that did make me question, 
what gets you thrown out of a game? Like some guys accidentally bump in the refs or tap a ref, they'll get ejected. Some guys can say something and get ejected. Russell threw the ball and hit him in the face on accident, and he stayed in the game. So I was wondering, he could have said something and probably got away with no tech. But then he gets hit with the ball, and uh, but it was it was it was hilarious for me. I mean, thankfully the ref is okay, but it definitely gave me the best chuckle of the night. I thought it was hilarious. Well, you know that that was his eleventh technical of the season, and he's had a few. He had a few rescinded, I think, before the game, and then he picks one back up uh, in this game. I think he has more than Demarcus Cousins at this point. So Russell Westbrook having some, you know, he's having to do kind of a one man show act in Oklahoma City. Uh, so they kind of need him to keep his composure and stay on the floor and make sure, you know, not to to rack up those big technical numbers. But uh, there was another incident, too, late in the game where Nick Batum tried to come over and help one of the Oklahoma City players off the floor, and Russell Westbrook scrambled over and pushed Nick away. And so the crowd was definitely, as any away crowd has been this season, anti-Russell Westbrook. Um, do you have any problem? Because I think uh, Social Media Katie had some problems with the way that Russell Westbrook held himself in this game. Do you have any problems with how you know his, his attitude towards the game? No, not at all. Yeah, he's um, a, right. He's a competitor, right? He's, he's, a, he's just a he's psycho competitor. A dog. He is. A, that's one thing. I'm not a huge fan of his game, but that is something I admire because when he's out there, it's him, his teammates, and against the world. There's nothing else. To be honest, I have a problem with Batum going to help up another player. Uh-oh. It's like it's it's like okay, I, I call you guys soft. I need you guys to be tough. And in danger, you need to be tough. And, He's and a so, sportsman. Hey, this is what we can do. And it's nothing. You can be a sportsman without helping somebody up. <laughs> Don't help them up. Like, now say now say the Hornets are in a better situation. You know, they've won three of the seven games they've won in the fourth quarter. And they're sitting pretty at third. Okay. Right. You know, I, you know, no. But after being called out constantly by the coach in a dogfight of a game that can go either way, no, 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 no. Nick Batum, I understand you're a really nice guy. And that's the great thing about that locker room. But right there, I don't need you helping up. Well, he had a great game. 28 points, uh, 7 of 18 from the floor, and uh, 13 of 15 from the line. Nick Batum putting his head down, getting to the rim, and getting fouled. And and he had some big moments in that fourth quarter. He had the scoop layup uh, that he used every bit of length in his arm to get that ball to the cup. And then uh, right after that, Kimba Walker tossing the ball back, and, and he rised up, hit a quick three, kind of off balance, what we're used to seeing from Nick Batum, his only three of the game, and it certainly was a dagger. Another key to the game, Justin, the Hornets make a season high, 40 free throws. They got into the penalty early in that second quarter. I thought that was very key to keeping pace with what the Oklahoma City Thunder can do to you offensively. And more importantly, I thought they slowed the game down a little bit. It uh, didn't allow them to get into transition as much early, and I thought that was a key to the game. What Did you see anything else in this game that was really important? I didn't want – I didn't know how many times I – the over and under on how many times I would say toughness or, or physicality. But the free throw line, the Hornets have been a pretty good team against the free throw line. That, that's one of their strong suits. Yeah. But tonight, I thought it, I thought it was it was a little bit more important tonight because you don't have Zeller and understanding you're playing a team that likes to slow it down and really make you work. Getting to the line takes effort. Anybody, literally anybody, can stand outside and shoot jumpers all day. We can do that. We might not make many, but we can do that. Now to put it on the floor and go to the rim against some bigs that you know, if you go in the rim, you're going to get hit. 
that was tough because we've always talked about this. It's not necessarily going out here getting texts and and all types of things like that, but it's it's showing you have a presence there. You know, good hard fouls, um, toughness, putbacks. You know, second chance opportunities and getting to the line forty nine times. I say, hey, we're not just going to settle out here and shoot. We're going to take it right to you, and that was very, very impressive. Because Adams, Adams is is, uh, is not a, a finesse guy by any means of imagination. You go in the lane with him, you know there's going to be some contact. And the fact that they consistently did that for four quarters, they, they, they heard Clifford loud and clear. Now, the difference is, can they do that consistently? But last night, they did it. They were tough last night. Well, they were flying all over the court on defense, and especially late. They had 11 blocks total. Uh, my key moment, and it had a lot to do with physicalities, uh, seven minutes to go, Hawes hit a, a deep three to tie it at 97. Then on the other end, Spencer Hawes bodied up Cantor. And Cantor was – Cantor's a monster, by the way. I guess I just didn't yeah. – I mean, I, I, I guess I didn't have a full picture until I, I really got down and saw him close. I mean, that guy is huge. And when he puts his shoulder into you, he was not – I mean, Spencer Hawes is not a, a small guy. He's seven feet tall. He's a thick guy. But Cantor was just knocking Spencer Hawes back. But Hawes didn't back down. I thought – that Hawes and Hibbert and, and and some of the help defenders too that came over to double on these guys really got into Adams and and Cantor's head. It didn't affect their shooting performance, but it got them frustrated, took them out of the game a little bit. I think allowed the Hornets to attack them a little easier on offense. So Hawes bodies up Cantor, forced the miss. The Hornets get back into their offense early off the miss. Nick Batum finds Marco Bellinelli cutting baseline to go up two points in the fourth quarter. I thought that was the key swing that had to happen uh, to allow the Hornets to get the win. They do 123-112 to over the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this was a key win, too, because now they are about to go on this five-game road trip beginning tonight in Detroit. First, This was the first game of a back-to-back. Unfortunately, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were – they, they didn't care. They were just going to run the Hornets ragged. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate that. So we're going to get the they say get your cardio up. Yeah, we're going to get the, we're going to get to this uh, Detroit Pistons preview here in a second. But first, want to update you on Cody Zeller's status. Uh, still in the concussion protocol. He did pass his first test on the road back to uh, the recovery from that concussion. Uh, when we get more word, we will. Uh, give it to to you on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Also, I'm trying out Snapchat. We're gonna get. We're gonna try to get back on this Snapchat train. Oh, Justin, hey, that's what I like to hear. Well, we're gonna try like to do to some hear. more before the shows uh, to give you a little inside look. So if you haven't uh, hit us up on Snapchat, it's actually a Snapchat. We are Hive Talk Live. Back to the old name on Snapchat. You can't change that. It's so weird. No. Yeah. It, once it you're, is. Once you're, it's like Snapchat and your Apple ID. Once you lock those things in. It, it is There's no going back. No, it's eternal. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's move to this uh, Detroit Pistons game uh, tipping off tonight. Um, points were hard to come by in their last matchup in early December. The Hornets won that one, eighty-seven to seventy-seven. Neither team eclipsed forty percent shooting, thirty percent from three, or seventy-five percent from the free throw line. It was an ugly battle, but the Hornets do get the win uh, in their first matchup. The Detroit Pistons blowing out uh, the uh, the Hornets, despite. Andre Drummond uh, running into some trouble and getting ejected. The Pistons are 2-8 and eight in their last 10, though. Few answers for a team that was a darling pick out of the East because of their coaching and continuity. 
Lately, the Pistons have been uh, poor communicators on defense. It's really strange to see. I mean, this team was supposed to be founded on defense like the Hornets, and they are struggling as well. This one, we always know what Clifford loves to say about the second night of back-to-backs. Good teams win on the second game of back-to-backs. And last night after the game, I spoke to Sessions and and tried to see if we were all in the same wavelength. And he would not give me this was their most impressive win. I thought it was because of the game and circumstances going into it. But he he said it, and, and we talked, and he said, you know, it's, any game in this league is hard to win, as I think every NBA player will tell you. And he said, you know, there are things that, that we know we can fix and, and things that we need to do. Now, with that being said, this is the second night of the back-to-back. They're still without Cody. And you know when you play Detroit, it's gonna be it's gonna be a dog fight. It's not gonna be anything. It might not be cute. It might not be exciting. But you know, for forty eight minutes, you're gonna have to go out there and grind. Now, what's Sessions saying that? I'm going. I'm gonna see if Sessions and the Hornets can hold up to his word of understanding that you know we can cut down on these mental mistakes and, and we can be tough when need be. But but the hardest thing about being in the NBA is consistency. The good teams are consistent. Not so good teams are up and down. And tonight, there's no secret to what we know Charlotte needs to do. It's the same recipe as success as always. But the difference is they're going to have they're going to be a little tired. And Clifford says, good teams win on the second night of back-to-back. I expect nothing but a dogfight. And we'll see if, if they can do it two nights in a row after coming off scoring 120-plus points. Yeah, I'm going to look at two guys off the bench, Jeremy Lamb and Marco Bellinelli. Now, Lamb obviously yeah. won't be getting as many minutes with Marco Bellinelli get working his way back into the rotation. Bellinelli only playing 14 minutes against Oklahoma City as he works his way back from that sprained ankle. Um, so if he gets a few more minutes uh, tonight against the Detroit Pistons, I you know you, you want him to play well because uh, he's, he's one of the guys that does have uh, a little bit fresher legs than some of the other guys, so hopefully they can get a bounce uh, from him. They, I don't know if there's been an official word, but I can't see Cody Zeller uh, playing in this game, but I've, I've certainly been surprised before. But I want to go back to the Pistons' struggle on defense. Um, you know, I, I think, honestly, if you look at this Pistons team, it, I think if you're the Hornets, you have to look at that team and go, this. if we don't start playing defense – and they they ramped it up in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma City, thankfully. But if they don't start thankfully, really, yeah. they had to because the rest of the game they they had you know struggled to especially close the Thunder out at the end of quarters. I mean, just lapses at the end of quarters and and lapses overall in the game. I think they have to look at this Pistons team and go, this is what we could become. We could go two and eight. Uh, over our last 10 if we don't lock down on defense because it's poor communication, half-hearted on closeouts, leaky on the perimeter. Um, You know, these things sound familiar. Here's a quote from Stan Van Gundy after their latest loss. Quote, I thought our closeouts were bad. We just left people open. It's like we hope people are going to miss early on. We wait to see if we're going to have to make the effort to close out. That sounds very familiar. Oh, that does sound very familiar. And, and, you know, Stan Van Gundy made a move uh, about six games ago to put John Luer in the lineup to basically play more forwards and play more defense, and it hasn't worked. They've gone two and four over that last uh, six-game stretch. Um, but, you know, I, I just think this is – watch it tonight. And, and if, if 
I think it's it's a look at what what could happen to the Hornets if they don't lock down on defense because that was supposed to be their identity. Justin was tough defense. It, it was. And I'm going in. It's been, it's been, yeah, well, it's been more offense than defense, and, and that has to change. Going into this season, Clifford said it best. Um, going into this season, actually, he said it last night also. He said, we need to be top 10 in offense and top five in defense if we want to be a really good basketball team. And I've noticed this because I've thought and I've watched these games, and they're like, they're top 10 in defense, but yet they have these mental lashes. And I've boiled down the mental lashes of the difference between a top five defense and a top seven defense. Um, and and it's, it's really little. It, it, it's a fine line of just like the, the, we, the lazy closeouts, not getting back in transition. Like there's just, there's just a, a lot of little things that could be fixed with effort. With effort. And, and yesterday is, you know, the Hornets won, but they didn't play serious defense until, what, the last six, seven minutes of the game? Like, you're not going to do that all the time. There's going to have to be a, there's going to have to be a much um, a much consistent effort um, that you're just going to have to do it. All. It's, it's not easy. I mean, you're, you're playing in the NBA, play 82 games, but you know you talk this good game and you tell us yes, we can write these laws, we can fix it. These are minute. We can handle that. We know what we need to do, but yet you don't do it. And easily, just like you said, the Hornets could easily go two and eight, like easily. And that that fine line comes down usually in the fourth quarter. Or either getting off to poor starts. The Clippers said this is a first quarter league. If you get off to a bad start in the, full qu- in the first quarter, things could just fire out of hand through the through the complexity of the game. So we're gonna see. Um, the Hornets have talked a good game. Clifford clearly understands their recipe, and it's up for him to execute it. There, there's nothing else we could say about that. Uh, I want to go to one more interesting point that I picked up from the Locked On Pistons podcast, and Dan Feldman over there doing a great job on the Locked On Network. He talked about Stan Van Gundy in one of his recent podcasts, coach of the Detroit Pistons and a friend of Steve Clifford. And Steve Clifford has coached uh, under Van Gundy in uh, both, or no, in Orlando and uh, coached under his brother, Jeff, in Houston. Um, and talked about some concern about the effects of Stan Van Gundy's passionate responses during games and in the locker room. And really try, you know, trying to get into these guys in Detroit, inspire them, uh, pump them up, let them know that the defense is not good enough. Um, but he's expressing concern because uh, this was an issue when Van Gundy coached in Orlando. It was grading, you know, that constant berating of guys when they're not playing defense well enough or or not executing on offense the way that that uh, Van Gundy wants them to execute on offense. That with certain personalities, with certain guys. It, it can backfire and eventually wear thin on on star players and, and other players as well. And um, I just started to wonder, you know, because we've been talking about Clifford, who is uh, ha- has had these same kind of passionate responses during games, and, and certainly it's probably happened in practice and, and, you know, in the locker room as well. And will this start to happen to the Hornets is the question that, that comes into my mind. If the message doesn't uh, doesn't translate, you know. If guys aren't listening, is that is that just um, is that just a factor of them you know, trying and failing to get better, or is it a factor of uh, Clifford being tuned out a little bit? I, I wonder if if there's a little correlation, a little parallel there, Justin. I, I do to a degree, um, and that's a great. I'm glad you brought this up because 
it's it's really difficult coaching pros. Like if you look, for example, Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban. Um, Nick Saban took his act from LSU to the Miami Dolphins and realized, hey, I can't bark at these guys and say the things that I do to these college kids. They're just not responding. He goes back to Alabama. It works. They're great. Nick Saban, he was with the 49ers. They were really good for about three to four seasons. But he was just such a grinder and such a grinder. And sometimes that wears on you. Eventually, he makes his transition back to college and it works. It's very tough. Like You have to understand, one, it's okay to be very passionate and hold players accountable. But it's a long season. I think you have to keep your yeah. temperament. And the difference, I think, with Clifford Van Gundy is Clifford, Clifford's frustration, I think, is, is Van Gundy's is valid. But... How would I say this? It's it's not like a beret. Like it's not all the time. Because when he when they win, he'll say, "Hey, the guys came out and played well," and he'll say, "Like there's there's a lot of reason behind it." Because I think the difference is Clifford has seen that this this team's potential, what they can be. Yeah. So when he harps on them, I think Kimba, MKG, Mark, when they said, "You're right," we see the type of work that Clifford puts in. And we've seen when we match his level of intensity, we're a really tough basketball team to contend with. And I think that's by the difference. Because Detroit, they're a little bit younger. You know, your personality is a little bit different. And they haven't initially seen a lot of success. And the Hornets haven't either, but they've peaked it at certain times where you say, okay, Clifford does have a point. If we keep this up, that can be continued success. And I think that's the slight difference. Yeah, I think the other difference is Stan Van Gundy is also in the front office in Detroit. And so when he's yelling at guys I think it's impossible if you're if you're one of those players not in the back of your mind to think wait a minute he can he can get rid of me as well I so about that. that's a great point so I think that's a difference as well as whereas with Clifford being a coach only I mean I'm sure he has a voice in in certain in certain transactions but but you know ultimately Rich Cho is a GM I think from a coach's perspective only you know your player you're listening to that you're going this guy just wants to make me better He's not, there's no like, oh, well, he, you know, he's saying this because there's a contract coming up or he's saying this because, you know, uh, maybe I'm part of a trade discussion. I mean, there's no, there's no thought like that. I think that's another difference. And I think too, that the Hornets have personalities that um, are, are very coachable and, and respond. And, and obviously, I mean, they've, you know, we, when you ask them about these different comments about Clifford saying that the defense is soft or that Clifford saying that they're not physical enough, you know, they, these players, they come out and they agree. And it's, it's shocking, you know, they, they, they're challenged and they accept the challenge. And at least in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma City, we saw them rise to the challenge. So that was uh, impressive, and we'll see if they can keep it up against Detroit uh, tonight and make sure to come back here tomorrow morning for a recap of that game. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's all the time we have for this morning. Thanks to our friends at SeatGeek. Download the free SeatGeek app and use our promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. If you have Hornets questions or thoughts, send them to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again tomorrow. For Justin, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Pistons. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late?